and we're live. Here we are. There exists a limit to the force even the most powerful may apply without destroying themselves. Judging this limit is the true artistry of government. Misuse of this power is the fatal sin. The law cannot be a tool of vengeance, never a hostage, nor a fortification against the martyrs it has created. You cannot threaten any individual and escape the consequences. Muhadib on Law from the Stilgar Commentary Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. Whether you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. All right. So we're talking specifically about, this is chapter 22, not that there's chapter numbers in the book at all. <laughs> um. But, yeah, we're approaching the end. Bum, bum, bum. So, yeah. Things have instantly changed now in the story because Paul has moved the entire company to Sietch Tabar. So, who does that include, Evan? The the entire... Wait, 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 wait. Paul has moved the entire company to Sietch Tabar, is that what you just said? Yeah, uh-huh. And the, I wrote in my book, the gang's all here. Like, <laughs> it's literally everyone that's been in the book so far has just been transported to Sietch Tabar. Are you ready for an epic showdown? Because literally everybody is here. Yep. Yep. Here we are. That's what yeah, everyone. You want hears. me to list all the people? I mean, it's... no. I mean, I'm about to list them. It's Aaliyah, okay. uh, yeah. Hate, Edric, Sightail, Bejaz, Stilgar, Stilgar's wife Hera, who was once Paul's like wife. Yeah. Uh, Irulan is there. The Reverend Mother Guy Selimahayim is is there, and Chani is there, and they're all in the place where Paul became Muhadib. Their home. So our scene... uh, (laughs) So the scene starts on an open desert. In the distance, we see the sun rising. We see the outline of rocks that is Jich Tabar. And under a rock, in a cleft of a rock, we have Chani staring out at the morning desert. The desert. The desert. She felt that the desert had followed her wherever she had gone. Coming back to the desert was really a homecoming, but it was more like turning around to see what was always there. Yeah. Right then, she felt a painful constriction that surged through her abdomen. The time was near, but she fought through the pain because she wanted this moment with her desert. She looked out of the scene in front of her. Shadows off the dunes, off the, off the shield wall, the bleak landscape stretching as far beneath a washed blue sky. In that moment, she thought to herself, why the hell are we here? 
This was not a hajira. This was not a seeking or a journey. Paul sought nothing here except maybe a place for her to give birth. She had questioned Paul about why they'd brought this strange group of people together. He said they were a quote-unquote company, a company of traveling companions. When she asked which value they had, Paul then went into some speech about what it means to have value in this universe (laughs) and ended how saying that they were money rich yet life poor and how he was evil and stupid. Johnny, of course, rebuked him for this, saying that he was not stupid. Which he replied saying, this is true, but my hands are blue with time. I think, I think I tried to re I think I tried to invent life, not realizing it already be invented. She remembers that after he said that, he put his hand out and touched her abdomen. Now back in the desert, she smelled the evil odors washed up by the wind. Her old Fremen superstition gripped her, evil odors for evil times. She turned to face the whim, the wind to see a worm rise up like a demon ship out of the dunes. It smelled the water, deadly to its kind, and burrowed back under the sand. So then Chani starts to think about water mm. and how different everything is now in the last 12 years. Water had once been the spirit soul of Arrakis, and now it was a poison. Water now brought pestilence, and only the desert was clean. Below her, she saw a Fremen work group enter the Sietch, and they had muddy feet, which was just a crazy it's, sight for her to see. It's atrocious. Just like ah, having read through everything, having been through everything we've been through, to even think about that, like Fremen with muddy feet, it's like absurd. It's disrespectful. Right? Am I crazy? No. Like, I literally, I read that and I was like, are you kidding me? That's so messed up, you know? Right. Like, they used to kill people for water, and now it's just dirt on your feet. Right. No, the respect. What are we talking about? No respect over here. Above her, she heard children singing. The sound of her singing gave her a feeling as if her time was running out. It was fleeing from her. Like hawks before the wind when a storm comes. At that, she remembers what storms Paul could see with his eyeless visions. The sky was filled with windborne sand. A storm was coming. She could feel the slight sting of tiny crystals blowing against her cheeks. The incense of death came on the wind. The smell of water. Water was the reason Shai Halud sent his Corioris winds. Then two hawks came into the cleft where she stood, seeking safety from the wind. The hawks were brown with red on their wings. She felt her spirit go out to them because at least they had a place to hide, and she did not. I thought it was interesting here that Frank used hawks for this imagery mm-hmm. because hawks are the symbol of what? In Dune. The Atreides' house. Yeah. And how, yeah. And how many babies does she have in her that are future Atreides? Two. Yeah. I just think, I don't know. It's just, maybe it's just too obvious for me that I'm just like, duh. Just yeah, I mean, this. I didn't even pick that up. I was just like, oh, cool. It kind of, it felt like, like, uh, 
Tolkien talking about trees in Lord of the Rings. It's <laughs> right. Just like it's Frank, Frank talking talk- about sand. Yeah, Frank talking about desert stuff. <laughs> so yeah, in this moment, life comes up to her, and her like she's like, at least you have some place to hide, because she does not. Her time is coming. It's it's about to end. Hate then comes up to Chani. My lady, the wind comes. Johnny then turns to see the Goa. In that moment, classic Fremen fears gripped her. Clean death and the body's water claimed for the tribe. She understood this. But looking at a Goa, she couldn't help but think how foreign it was. Almost downright evil to be brought back from death. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There's something that's going to happen in the next chapter. Uh. That makes me look at this uh, this sentence here and just thinks how foreign and evil it would be for her to be brought back as a Goa. Right. Like, that's something she would not have wanted. It's just, it's just wrong. Yeah. She would she would not be very happy about it. Diana in uh, YouTube says, foreshadowing. Okay, okay. Speaking of foreshadowing, I feel like I personally need to be honest to our to our listeners that okay, are listening yeah, go, to this. Go ahead. Ahead. Today, this actual time today, um, we're doing two episodes, right? We're doing two episodes back, back to back. back. So I have read this chapter and the, the next chapter. So I know two chapters worth of stuff, which usually is not the case. Usually I barely know what's going on right now. Right. So just wanted to let you guys know that's where we're at right now. We'll try to keep it spoiler free as much as I can. Okay. So we're keeping this, this episode spoiler free for the next one. Yeah. Okay. So that's good to know. If I you never are have list- to deal with spoilers, you know? <laughs> So I'm not good at this. I'm. I mean, if you're listening to this in the in the future sometime, and you're like, "Gosh, Caleb, don't spoil anything else." I've, I'm going to try my not not to, and we're going to get to it when we get to it. So we're going to do our best. I had to point that little thing out. It's just like I, we need to know that about Johnny and how she felt about Golas. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. As she's like looking out in this majestic scene of the desert and the storm is coming in and she's just like with her desert and up, up pops hate. So Chani's now cheeks are red as the wind and the sand have been whipped in her face. She glances back over at the desert to get one last glance. She was caught by a feeling of the desert's transience, right? Measured against eternity as the dune surf thundered against the cliffs. There's this analogy right there for like dune, like the sand working as water. And that's something I really enjoyed in the uh, dune part one, the movie. There is a scene where the the worm goes down under again after Paul and Jessica are running. And it looks like it, the sand's making like water, like movements. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool. So the storm out there had become a universal thing. All animals are hiding from it. Even the mighty sandworm thumped its way into the dry depths. It was her only moment's life measured time. In that moment, she felt this planet being swept away. Cosmic dust, part of other waves. Waves. So it's in this moment that she's getting a glimpse of what Paul sees all the time. Yeah. 
just the, and of course she's been around him enough to have, hear him talk like this, but now she's kind of seeing it as, as she feels her life ending, her time is running out. So yeah. time is slowing down. We must hurry. The Goa protested. Johnny sensed fear in him, but more fear for her safety. Chani allowed the Goa to help her up the rock stairway into, into the Sietch. Attendants opened the moisture seals for Chani and Hate to pass through and closed them after they had passed. Immediately, Chani's nostrils were, were assaulted by the odors of the Sietch, the smell of flinty, burning machines at work, the smell of familiar foods and the rank smell of the reclamation stills, and the smell of human bodies being close together. It was the smell of home. Oh. I just wish we could have like smell vision here in your podcast app that just in this moment just a whiff of just body odor just hits you hard. <laughs> just a whiff of spicy armpit. Spicy mm. armpit and a little bit of dookie. <laughs> but with like chili powder in it so it's not as bad. The Gola released Chani from his grasp and stood aside. A patient figure. Almost as if he was turned off when not in use. He just watched. Chani hesitated and entered the chamber, puzzled by something she couldn't name. This was truly her home. She'd grown up here. She hunted scorpions as a child here. Yet something, something had changed. A rippling birth constriction seized her abdomen. She fought against revealing the, the pain, but it was not enough, because the Gola had noticed. Milady? Chani said aloud to the Goa, as she turns to him probably, Why is Paul afraid for me to bear our children? It's a natural thing to fear for your safety, the Goa responded. Chani then took her hand and put it against her reddened cheek. And he doesn't fear for the children? Milady, he cannot think of a child without remembering that your firstborn was slain by the Sardaukar. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Rest in peace, little widow. <laughs> she then turned to study the Goa. His face was flat, unreadable, machine-like almost. Was this really Duncan Idaho? The Goa continued, You should be with the medics. Again, she heard fear for her safety in his voice. So, Evan, looking back on the last chapter, why is hate scared in this moment? Because, because, B-Jazz did the little, the little, uh, 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 what's it called? Distrance? Voodoo crap in his brain? I was trying to get him to, like, kill Paul when Paul says she's gone. Right? Right, right, right. And, and, and so... He, yeah, hate knows that something's going to happen yeah. when an Atreides woman dies. Right. And so he's like, he like knows something's happening inside his brain that he's unaware of, and that's freaking him out. And so like when any kind of hint of the trigger word or whatever, or like the trigger situation comes up, his brain starts freaking out. Right? right. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, what, 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 what are we doing? Okay, Anna Van Loon says on YouTube, medical fact here, the first and last sense we have is smell. So her smelling home 
at this point is also foreshadowing. Oh. Which is sad. This is sad. I hope everyone's got their, their kerchiefs ready to, to cry in. Evan's got his emotional support knitted worm that he's Here. been holding. Here she is. <laughs> I just decided it's a, it's a she, apparently. <laughs> we, it's okay. It's all right. It's a great-grandmother worm. <laughs> Cheney whispers, Hey, I'm afraid. Where's my Usul? Affairs of state detain him, the Goa said. She nodded, thinking of how the government apparatus had accompanied them in the great flight of ornithopters. Abruptly, she understood what was different about the siege. The smells. The clerks and aides had brought their own perfumes into this environment. There was an undercurrent of different odors here. Chani shook herself, concealing the urge to laugh. Even smells change in Muhadib's presence. He brings water to Arrakis and makes the Sietch smell better. Hate not knowing what was happening, just kept talking. There are pressing matters which he could not defer. Chani nodded, saying, yes, yes, yeah, I yeah. understand. Right, <laughs> I came with them, too. She was now thinking about their flight from Arakeen to the Sietch, which she admitted to herself she did not expect to survive because Paul insisted about flying his own thopter, <laughs> which is kind of scary because he can't see. <laughs> He's blind, but the vision guided him perfectly. After that experience, she knew that nothing he could do would surprise her. Another contraction hits. The Gola sees her wince in pain. Is it your time? Johnny says it is, and with that, Hate takes her arm again and rushes her down the hall. Johnny senses deep, deep panic in him. But Hate just kept talking, probably because he's really nervous and doesn't know what to do. <laughs> this is like being awkward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes, the Zensuni approach to birth is blah, 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 blah. It's not to compete with what is happening. To compete is to prepare for failure. Do not be trapped by the need to achieve anything. This way, you achieve everything. Okay, thanks. Thanks, hate. That's great. <laughs> Having contractions right now, bro, but thanks for the uh, philosophy. Also, like, she's a woman. So, <laughs> so like, and she knows that, like, there's not much you can do except just hold on for dear life right. as you go through this. Right. He's just mansplaining again. <laughs> you don't need to do that to him. He's gola. He's gola splaining. <laughs> gola splaining. We had fish splaining earlier in the book. Now we have gola splaining. <laughs> he kept talking as they reached the entrance to the quarters. To which then he just cried out, "Hera, Hera! <laughs> it's Chani's time. Get the medics. Get the medics!" <laughs> the whole host of people came running in. The next contraction hit. Now, like the, I th yeah, I think it's here. The the um, view changes. We were with Chani. Now we're with Hate. As like the camera changes as she goes in, he like stays outside. He quickly dismisses himself from the now frenzied room and reflects back on what just happened. He was panicked. Why? The panic centered not on the fact that Chani may die, but that he would have to face Paul afterwards. And he was filled with as Paul was filled with grief for his beloved, who is now gone. Lagoa thought to himself, something cannot emerge from nothing. 
From what does this panic emerge? He felt his mentat abilities had been dulled. As he let a long breath out, he felt a psychic shadow pass over him. In this emotional darkness, he felt himself waiting for some absolute sound. What's the sound? Do you mean? Do you mean like the the, the trigger, trigger word? The trigger word? As I think, I think that's what he's waiting yeah, for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was more poetic than that, but as soon as you said that, I was like, "Wait, are they talking about the trigger word?" That's a good point. A sigh shook him. Danger had passed without striking. Like she didn't die. The word didn't happen. He's still cool. Still in control. Right. 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 So he sat. He then sank back into his mental awareness. Right, his eyes probably rolled up into his head doing the little calculation thing. And then he starts sweating. Within his awareness, he found fuzzy edges of thought. Then he saw it. He saw B-Jazz seated in his awareness like a blazing fire. B-Jazz. <laughs> the dwarf had done something to him. I just imagine it's like he's like in there and this is just like this angelic thing and in there there's just a little tiny dwarf just going mm. <laughs> just laughing at him okay also i just i just love picturing this like like duncan idaho you know, hate uh jason momoa has <laughs> has johnny right he's like oh, oh so zensuni talking about giving birth and he like takes her to and now she's in, in on the bed you know giving birth doing all of that and he's over here in the corner with a <laughs> with a little handkerchief like oh geez <laughs> just like that's what everyone else sees is just like this big ass Duncan Idaho with metal eyeballs sweating like oh oh goodness <laughs> oh my stars as his eyes are rolled back into his head yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I freak it out like Bro, she's done this once before. Like, <laughs> it's it's gonna be okay. <laughs> but he's having this moment, this existential crisis, right? He wants to know about his identity and all this stuff, and now he found this compulsion in been programmed into his brain, and he's teetering on like this deadly pit in his brain, and he finds it a compulsion. He gasped. I've been rigged with a compulsion. At this moment, uh, a courier comes by, like just passing in front of him to like go by his business. But he heard hate say something. So the courier stopped, like backed up, like, did you say something, sir? The Golwood, not even looking at him, just says, I said everything. And that ends the chapter. That's it. That's it. That's why we're doing a double header. This one was so short. We got to jump into the next one because you're not going to just leave us on that cliffhanger right now. Yeah. 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 Like she's about to go give, give birth. Uh, hate has found the compulsion inside him. Mm -hmm. The time is now we're at the climax. Um, so if you haven't already jumped to the next chapter, we're going to, we're going to go do that. But if you haven't also given us five stars, uh, on our podcast app yes. or subscribed or did WGDU, then now's the time. Leave a review, say how much you enjoy this and the community and follow us on Twitter and get your mugs. I got my little stay spicy mug. You can go to readingdune.com. Yeah, that's it. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. 
And to which, Evan, I have yours. I need to, yeah, need to give it to you. Yeah. So you can drink your spice coffee in the spice mug. <laughs> spice coffee in the spice mug. Put Let's... some spice milk spice milk in there. Whoop, whoop, whoop. All right. Get a pumpkin spice latte. All right. We're going to take a, a quick uh, reclamation break as I set things up, download this audio, and get the next one in there. So um, I'll be posting shortly where you can find the next one. If you're on YouTube, it'll be right there. And we'll see you in a little bit. Stay spicy, my friends. Peace. Bum, 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 bum.